Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Amen. What a blessing. We want to quickly continue with our teaching. And uh, the ten pillars of a disciple's growth. Your life will be so much blessed. The ten pillars of a disciple's growth. Now, I think today should be part 17 or part 18, right? We began to look at 10 pillars that establishes the growth of a disciple of Jesus. Now, forgive us for the heat, okay? We're going to do something about it. Hallelujah. Oh, we have a man of God here. Man of God, please come forward. Yes, please come. Yes. Forgive us, so we'll be moving to our new auditorium very soon. Yes, please have a seat here. Man of God. So, no, you can have a seat here. Please sit here. Okay, so. All right, man of God. Hallelujah. So, we said the first pillar of a disciple's growth is what we call obedience based word mastery. Number two is prayer, fasting, and solitude. Number three is fellowship with the Spirit. Four is fellowship with other believers. Five is holiness, righteous living in Christ-like character. I think number six was dealing with or facing life challenges. Now, we've done all these teachings. We have it on our podcast. If you're not listening to our podcast, you're missing so much. We have over 32 countries who listen to us and many are being transformed. Praise God. So please do listen. Go to the podcast and listen to our teachings. You will be transformed. So we are currently on spiritual warfare, which is the eighth pillar of a disciple's growth. And today happens to be the fourth part of spiritual warfare under the 10th pillar of a disciple's growth. And last week, we began to give you the weapons that Satan normally uses to attack believers that many believers don't see. We said number one is distraction. He uses distraction. This morning, if you're in the first service, remember I was telling you that most of the time when we talk of spiritual warfare or spiritual attacks, many people think that it's when you sleep, it's only when you sleep, someone holds your neck, you want to shout Jesus, Jesus, you can't shout Jesus, then you wake up, then you call that an attack. Yes, that's an attack. But you see, Satan has other weapons and ammunitions he uses to attack many believers, but unfortunately, because we don't know, we become vulnerable. Amen. So number one is distraction. Number two is condemnation. The devil uses condemnation as part of his weapons against you. Number three is doubt and unbelief. Number four is discouragement. Number five is false doctrine. I'm just brushing through because I've done that already. Number six is temptation or the enticement to sin. Number seven is anxiety and worry. Number eight is ingratitude. Number nine is unforgiveness and bitterness. Now hear this. Anytime you fall into unforgiveness and bitterness, 
it's an attack of the enemy that will soon explode to bring distraction to your life and every child of God must know that you must learn to forgive people easily if Jesus forgave you all your sins forgiving others should not be a challenge and when it becomes very difficult tell the Lord Jesus to help you to forgive that person because it's a, it can be a stronghold the enemy can use against you number nine number ten we said it's offenses and disunity these are all part of the weapons of the enemy number eleven is sickness number twelve is idolatry number thirteen is lust fourteen is impure thoughts fifteen is pride sixteen is rebellion seventeen is fault finding criticism being judgmental and suspicion number 18 is fear now i want to continue from where we picked up from last week but i want to share some thoughts with you before we go into that are you ready so you can write down facts about spiritual warfare facts about spiritual warfare every child of god must know that we are in war in ephesians chapter 6 the verse 12 the bible says for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies so every child of god is not just a son of god but a soldier of christ engaging in a spiritual battle unfortunately many christians don't know that this life we we live as christians is war and because we don't know we have become so vulnerable and the devil is winning almost all the time and there are some facts about spiritual warfare that every child of God must know and arm yourself with. Number one fact about spiritual warfare is that your ignorance on spiritual warfare doesn't exempt you from that war. Your ignorance about spiritual warfare does not exempt you from the ongoing spiritual battle or the ongoing spiritual war. Satan does not care your age. He does not care your, your maturity level. He doesn't care whether you, you know who you are in Christ or not. He will keep attacking. And the last time I checked, do you know that in all the armor of God that was mentioned, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the Bible never gave an armor for the back. That means there is no place for retreating. The moment you turn your back and say, I'm not fighting any war, you, are already, you have already lost. Because there is no armor protecting your back. So to decide as a child of God not to fight spiritual war is actually war itself against you. So don't say, for me, I don't want to, I don't touch the devil, I don't expect him to touch me. Hey! Remember the facts about the devil we just mentioned. We, we said that as far as you are a human being and a child of God, you are his enemy. The devil hates human beings because humans are the best explanation of who God is. That's how come humans can love. 
they can forgive, they can be gracious. And these are attributes of God. In all God's plan, God put his ultimate in man. God gave dominion to men, not animals. And that was what the devil was looking for. So because he could not get it, anybody that is born a human being is actually an enemy to the devil. So the earlier you understand who you are and the earlier you understand spiritual warfare, the better for you. Are we following this? Number two, our principal enemy is Satan and not other human beings. Now, this, this is a very important point I'm just noting about spiritual warfare because every child of God must know this. Your principal enemy is who? Satan, not other human beings. Now, back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Now, look, he says, we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. That means our battle is not against human beings. Meaning, most of the time, 90% of the time, the misbehavior, the misconduct of human beings are not from them. So if you target human beings and attack human beings, you are fighting the wrong battle. Remember Satan is a trickster. He will never appear with you with horns. He will appear through somebody, speak through somebody who looks like a man and you, you attack that man and miss out the devil. Your enemy is not your sister. Your enemy is not your father. Your enemy is not your wife. Your enemy is not your husband. And many are fighting the wrong battle. So hear this. Anytime you are fighting people, you are fighting the wrong battle. Many Christians don't know this thing. If you have no one on your knees, you can't win anywhere. I'm teaching good here. Number three, Satan mostly uses lies, tricks, and deception. Satan mostly uses lies, tricks, and deception to attack God's children. Second Corinthians chapter 11, the verse 3. Let's quickly have that. The Bible says, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent tricked, beguiled, deceived Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should not be corrupted from the simplicity that is in the gospel. That means God's word is God's simplicity for your mind. And anytime you compromise on the word of God, you are vulnerable for deception and lies and corruption. The devil will make you imagine the wrong things. He will speak lies to you. Have you ever had some, some pain somewhere in your, in your rib and the devil is telling you you have pneumonia? Yeah. Yeah. Or that hasn't happened to you before? 
begin to have some, some symptoms. The devil tells you, you have cancer. I have a son who is a pastor who came to me. And you won't believe it. He has some dark spots on his body. And he has tried treating it for some years. About seven years. And it's not going. Until he had a conversation with a friend. And the friend said, these are the very symptoms of HIV AIDS. From that time, this man was not the same again. He'll be praying, he imagines HIV AIDS. How slim he's going to look and die. You may be laughing, but it was not funny for him. And that was a stronghold. So his imagination, his thought was telling him, you have HIV AIDS. He went to test, they said it's negative. He still didn't believe it. So sometimes the devil can even use symptoms to tell you you have a disease that does not exist. And let me tell you what the devil does. He knows as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the more you think it, you attract it. I know people who have used their mind to cause things to happen. There was a man I knew, if he's, he goes to a station to sit in a taxi and he wants to be at the front seat, he can use his mind to control anybody that wants to sit in front to sit at the back. Because, you see, the mind is so powerful that if Satan takes over your mind, he has taken over your life. Because your mind is the door into your heart. So, you see, like every Christian should be mindful of what comes to his mind. He will use lies against you. He will tell you when you sleep tonight, you will not wake up. Now the question, what do you do about those things that comes to you? Because you don't know we are in war. There are voices that whisper into your mind that nothing will amount in your life. You are a failure. Kill yourself. That's the rope. That's DDT. Drink it. And you wonder, why do people commit suicide? You think it's normal? There are voices that whisper to them. End this life. There is nothing good about this life. End it. And these are lies the devil is using. He started from the beginning. God said, if you eat from this tree, you will die. The devil came and asked, are you sure you will die? What did the verse do? He questioned the word of God. Then he said, surely you will not die. He denied the word of God. Then he says, the Lord your God knows that the day you eat, you shall become like God. He substituted the word of God. Knowing good from evil. Now, was not man made in the image and likeness of God? And Satan told him that, no, it is unto you eat that you become like God. That was the lie. The devil was telling man to perform to become, instead of man knowing that he has to perform because he already is. That's why I tell people, you cannot live a righteous life until you know you have been made righteous by Christ's blood. I've seen people who are trying to live right on their own strength. You will fail. Because righteousness is first a gift before it becomes a life. God gives us righteousness when we believe in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, how are you righteous? By faith in Christ. So, you don't do righteous things to become righteous. That's the error. If not, any other person from any other religion can try it. The faith in the Christian life does not operate that way. 
You first believe Jesus, he gives you the gift of righteousness. Romans 5.17. Now check that for yourself. The Bible says, if for by one man's offense, death reigned by man, one, much more, they which what? Receive the abundance of grace and the what? Gift of righteousness, they what? Reign. Romans chapter 3, the verse 20. Now watch that. The Bible says, therefore, by the deeds of the law. I, I, there are people who try to obey the law of Moses, thinking by obeying them they become righteous. That's wrong. That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, he says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be declared righteous in God's sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, God is telling us that the law had its place. The law came to show man how sin looks like. For example, if I tell you, don't think of a black cat. Now, you will try not to think it, but before you realize, you are thinking of a black cat. What the Lord did was that he gave you knowledge of a sin, but did not give you power of a sin. So the law came to give man the knowledge of sin so that man will realize that he is weak in himself to save himself, then he will call on the Savior. Because listen, the Christian life is not, in, is not difficult without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible without the Holy Spirit. How did I get here? Maybe it was for someone. Number four, without prayer, all our armor is useless. Without prayer, all the spiritual armor God tells us to wear is useless. That's why I tell every Christian, have a prayer life. When the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What he's saying is that, he's saying get stronger in your relationship with God. That's the whole thing he's saying. Because the Christian life is lived on God's strength. I'm teaching you there. Number five. Our contact with Satan and his demons should be with the knowledge that Jesus defeated them. Our contact with Satan and demons should be with the knowledge that Jesus defeated them, spoiled them, and put them to naught. I repeat again. Our contact with Satan and his demons should be with the knowledge that Jesus defeated them, spoiled them, and put them to naught. Colossians chapter 2, the verse 15. Now look at this. Christian power is founded on redemption. It was through the cross that Satan was defeated. And every child of God must understand that. There was a woman that had an issue. She built a house and every evening she stays alone. At night she hears voices coming from the room. And footsteps coming from the room. 
And she was getting scared every night from 12 o'clock. She'll be hearing the voices of people in the room, but there's nobody there. And she reported to a prophet, and the prophet said, The Lord is saying she sow your house as a seed. If you fall into the house of a wrong prophet, you're in trouble. A whole mansion at Trazaco. The prophet said it's a seed. And she found another man of God and told the man of God this issue. You know what the man of God said? When you go home, open your windows, open your doors, stand in the middle of the house and command that voice, that spirit that is there, that you are illegally there because I'm a child of God. I stand on authority as a child of God and in the name of Jesus, I command you, get out of my house. After the woman did that, the voice and the walks stopped. Now, if you don't know what Christ has done and the authority Christ has given you, you will be deceived. What you alone can do, what you alone can do, when you know the power of the name of Jesus, you have no idea. He says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Telling us that in the cross, principalities and powers were completely defeated. So Satan is under your feet. Shout it, Satan is under my feet. Tell someone, Satan is under my feet. It's a reality. If you don't know it, he'll mess up with your life. Hallelujah. Am I helping someone? Now, number six, quickly. Every being in the three worlds bound to Jesus' name. Every being in the three worlds bow to Jesus' name or bow to the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, the verse 9 to 11. Every being in the three worlds bow to the name of Jesus. Now, this revelation to me should make you understand when we say the name of Jesus, so that the next time you are saying in the name of Jesus, you are saying that with revelation. Listen, it is not everybody who says in the name of Jesus that receives results. Go and read your Bible. The sons of Sceva had Paul mentioning Jesus and casting out devils and they also got a demon possessed person placed the person in the room and they made a mistake to lock themselves there. And they said, we adjure you to come out in the name of the Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom Paul preached. And the demon said, Jesus, I know him. Paul, I know him. Who be you? The Bible said the demon disciplined them and they left the room bleeding. Now, did they not use the name of Jesus? Why did the devil acknowledge Paul and not them? Because the difference between Paul and them is revelation. What you don't know fights you. The evil spirits answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are ye? 
Now, if you read Philippians chapter 2, the verse 9 to 11, remember the Bible tells us that wherefore God had highly exalted him. So, Jesus in resurrection was exalted by God and was given a name that is what? Above every name. So, in the revelation of the name of Jesus, you must know, number one, God exalted him. Number two, he was given a name which is above every name. So, you must start seeing the name of Jesus above every name, including cancer including stomach pain there are times I've been rebuking pains in my stomach they live instantly above every other day now this is what shocked me look in the verse he says that at the name of Jesus do you say he didn't say at the mention of the name that means when you have a revelation of the name you may not necessarily need to mention Jesus That are the name. The word name in Greek is onoma, which means authority, character, and achievement. When you know the achievement of Jesus, when you know the authority in the name of Jesus, you may not necessarily mention that name, but that revelation takes charge over everything around you. A prophet came to the hands of one great bishop, Bishop David Paul, and they were praying and said, mm, I sense demons. And Bishop said, mm, maybe you brought them. There are no demons here. That's revelation. So, what revelation have you gathered about the name? He says, every knee should bow. Every knee. That means anything that has a knee. And now look, of things in heaven, first realm. Of things in earth, second realm. Of things beneath the earth, third realm. So, heaven, earth, and hell obeys the name of Jesus. Now, do you know that? See, take this scripture, meditate upon it for three days. Start using the name, you see what will happen. I was meditating on the verse in Acts 3 about uh, the man who started the gate of beautiful. And apostles came. It's a silver and gold I have none, but such as I have. What did he have? The name. In the name, rise up. The Bible says when they touched him, immediately his ankle bones received strength. I was meditating on that and a friend came to visit me. When he came, surprisingly, he just mentioned a problem. He said, this, his hand has not moved for the past like five to six years. Something happened and he couldn't move it. So because of that, it has affected the whole right arm. He can't lift a bag of water. He can't lift a bag of rice. And I remembered my meditation immediately that's what the bible said so i held his hands i said in the name of jesus i command your hands to respond now in jesus name guess what pain left the hand began to move and he carried two bags of water so listen you are just a revelation away from your problem The Bible says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. For the lack of knowledge. Not lack of finances. Lack of knowledge. Not lack of friends. Lack of knowledge. Not lack of connection. Lack of knowledge. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise God. Number six or seven. We do not fight with natural weapons. Seven truths about spiritual warfare. We do not fight with natural weapons. Second Corinthians chapter 10, the verse 3. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. Give me NLT to make it clearer. Look, he says we are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. That means our, our weapons are not holes and cutlasses. Am Roberts came to visit the house of the late Archbishop Benson in the house. He was doing Bible reading at dawn and they entered the house. And he came out. He was holding his Bible. They were holding their weapons. He said, this is my spiritual weapon. And he quoted three, four verses. He said, by the count of one, if you don't leave this place, I will kill you all. When he said one, they departed. You will carry this Bible and say, by the count of one, then you go, whoa! <laughs> Another person can carry that same Bible and nothing will happen. You know why? The difference is revelation. He's saying that we are, though we are humans, we don't wage war as humans do. We don't use machine guns. So what's the seventh point? He says, we don't fight with natural weapons. Listen, I've seen people who use natural weapons like insult. You're joking. You are using natural weapons to solve a problem. Retaliation, natural weapon. Revenge, natural weapons. Complain, natural weapons. Nagging, natural weapons. Stop using natural weapons to fight. The walls of Jericho was not brought down by caterpillars. It was brought down by a shout, spiritual weapon. Am I teaching you here? Because of time, let's do it quickly. Number what? Number eight. The believer has full delegated authority over the forces of darkness. The believer has full delegated authority over the forces of darkness. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The believer has full delegated authority over the forces of darkness. Listen, if you're fighting this spiritual warfare, you don't know this reality, you're in trouble. You have been given full delegated authority over the forces of darkness. Unfortunately, demons know, but Christians don't know. The Bible says, and the 17 return again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through, through, through thy name. Next verse. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. There is nobody who falls from a 20-story building and remains the same. And Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven. Boom! The fall of Satan changed him. Hebrews 2.14 says, Likewise, as the brethren partook in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook in the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil! Listen to me. The devil no longer has the power of death. 
And this is something you need to understand. If you don't know this, now someone says, okay, what if someone takes me to a malam and begins to charm me that I'll die? If you don't know that the devil does not have the power of death, you may die. But the moment you come to the realization that the keys of death and hate are now, <laughs> Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I need to give you Bible, Bible, Bible. You need it. Look, he says, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Even Satan does not have the keys of hell. Meanwhile, is he hell? <laughs> he does not have keys to his own territory. So, what is your revelation? When someone tells me, I give you three days, I'll tell you, make it one. Make it one. Three is too long. Make it one. And let's see who dies. Now, you may say that and die in two. <laughs> because the kind of revelation I have now in God's word, it's not because I'm unique. You know, many times people think that pastors are unique. The same Bible given to me is the same Bible given to you, but you don't read yours. The same Holy Ghost given to me is the same Holy Ghost given to you. But you don't use yours. The Holy Ghost is passed here today. He said, no, this is what I've been using every day. And I can't bother. I'm teaching good here. So now, back to Luke chapter 17, the verse 11. So, uh, sorry, Luke 10, 8, 19, good. He says, behold, can we read this verse together? Read it as loud as possible for the person sleeping beside you to wake up. One, two, shout it, let's go. Behold, as he was seen for hours, I'm sure you have read this verse or you have seen it before. Have you meditated upon it? Have you believed it yet? He says, behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Now, this verse is not re referring to serpents, literal serpents and scorpions. Someone says, so man of God, by this revelation, if I see a serpent, what should I do? Run. <laughs> we call that prophetic wisdom. <laughs> So what are you picking a serpent for? Let me ask you. Is it for freestyle or what? So, there was, there was a man of God, he came on um, the news some years ago. He, he saw a verse like that and he went to a zoo to where the lion's den was. And he entered. You saw that video? He's a pastor. He said he wanted to demonstrate. You see, remember... <laughs> Let me tell you something. Jesus after fasting was full of power. And the devil came and said, turn this stone into bread. Now Jesus had power, he could do it. But if he did it, he used his power to satisfy the flesh. He used his power in the wrong way. So there is a way we use the power of God. You need to understand this thing. So, the liar almost finished him until they brought him out. <laughs> Praise God. So we don't use the power of God that way. When there's an issue that is critical, 
there was a man of God one time he was he was going for a program he was very late he knew the flight by the time he gets there checking everything is over so he sat in the car and said oh God when he opened his eyes he was at a church he's called Jesse Duplantis can you want to check it out at that situation the program was a very mega program and lives need to turn around so God had to make a way when he was finished he sat in the car he said oh God he was there oh God he was there and he drove back home There was a family that went to do evangelism in the village. And they go to a place, the people who were supposed to drive the boat, they come not knowing once a day because the journey is long. And when they got to the place, the person had gone. Charles and Francis Hunter, you can go and check them out. They walked on the sea after prayer. They walked on the river to the place. When they finished preaching and they came, the boat was there. And they sat in the boat and came. So in emergencies, God's power can be released. So, in your room, you are there and then a snake appears. That's a different story altogether. So, that one you pray in the name of Jesus, come out here. Someone says, what if the snake dies but the snake is still in the room? Call men to carry the snake. <laughs> Praise God. Am I blessing lives today? Number nine, the believer doesn't fight for victory, but fights from victory. The believer doesn't fight for victory, but rather fights from victory. These are two different things altogether. Christian, please understand this. Our spiritual warfare is not to win against Satan. If you read Ephesians chapter 6 from the verse 11. Now look at what the Bible is saying. He's saying that put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand. So listen. There is a territory in Christ that has been won for us by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Our responsibility as soldiers is to guard the ground. God has given you peace. Guard it. If not, the devil will steal your peace. So, we dress to stand. I love that word. Look at the second time he used it. Look, come to the, the verse 13. Look, he says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole arm of God, that you may be able to what? Withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So, it's about standing. So, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. So our victory has already been taken by Christ and we only maintain the ground of that victory. Now, for example, if I am Muhammad Ali, for example, and I'm married, and I go into a boxing fight, I do the training, I do everything, and I face the opponent. My wife only sits down and watch me. So now, if my opponent gives me punches and all that, my face is swollen, I also fight back and I win the title my wife did not fight but she carries the title for me yes. on the cross Jesus was our Muhammad Ali and fought the battle he was bruised for our transgression he was he was what crushed for our transgression bruised for iniquity the chastisement and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed so Jesus won the victory and made us more than conquerors so we are not conquerors because we didn't conquer Christ conquered and made us more than conquerors 
So listen, anytime you realize something demonic is going on, take authority. The devil, I know Jesus has already destroyed you. I'm reminding you in the name of Jesus. You have no ground in this house. Get out! Now, you see, this is someone who is maintaining authority. You are reminding the devil. Listen, the devil does not know how to give up. Are you following this thing? Yes, hmm. Let's proceed. Number 10. There are two kingdoms in war. Darkness and light. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Colossians 1 13. There are two kingdoms at war. There is no human being who is at the middle. You are in one of them. And hear this. The Bible says who has delivered us from what? The power of darkness and has translated us into what? The kingdom of his dear son. There are two, two kingdoms. The kingdom of Satan, darkness, and the kingdom of Jesus, which is the kingdom of light. When you are born again, you are transferred into the kingdom of light. With the, with the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, now, remember he says that he has delivered us, number one, and he has what? Transferred. Now, let me give you a beautiful example to, to uh, make that truth settle. For example, I was captured by some enemies and I was taken to an evil forest. And I was tied in that evil forest. So I'm a captive in the evil forest. And a savior comes to the evil forest and comes to save me from my chains. He breaks the chains for me. What am I? I'm delivered. But I'm still in, in the evil forest. When he, when he transfers me from the evil forest into the city, I have received a transfer. Jesus Christ did not only set us free, he transferred us. So you are no more in the kingdom of Satan. So his principles don't operate in your life anymore. Anytime you realize there's a principle from the kingdom of darkness that is trying to operate through your members, you fight it in the name of Jesus. Am I helping somebody? Now, number 11. You can be just and still oppressed. 11. You can be just and still oppressed. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9. I've heard Christians say, are we not righteous? Are we not children of God? Why are we going through all these things? Look, he says, Proverbs 11, verse 9. He says, an hypocrite with his mouth destroyed his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. So you can be just and still be oppressed. It is through knowledge that a justified man in Christ is what? Delivered. So the fact that you are a child of God does not mean you are not a target of Satan. You can be Holy Ghost filled tongue talking Christian and you can still be afflicted by the devil. Are you following this thing? It's a principle of a spiritual warfare you need to understand. Number 12. The flesh is the advantage and the stronghold of the devil. The flesh is the advantage and the stronghold of the devil. The realm of the spirit is the advantage of the Christian. Listen, if you're a Christian who walks in the flesh, you're in trouble.
One time, I was in a retreat center. I went to the washroom. I went to use the washroom. By the time I was done, I saw a mosquito coming my way. And I wanted to kill it. I tried because the mosquito was in my room. I tried clapping. The mosquito escaped. Chased the mosquito. Escaped. Before I realized, the mosquito went higher. Now, I tried jumping, but I was limited by a law of gravity. So I came down, and the mosquito was up there. And God said, that is the Christian wall. The spirit realm is the advantage of the devil. You are that mosquito. The devil, is, he wants to clap against you. He wants to kill you. But if you don't function from the spirit realm, and you are in the flesh realm, the realm where he's able to destroy you, he will destroy you. So that is how come we are supposed to walk in the spirit at all times. What does it mean to walk in the spirit? That is not it. People think walking in the spirit is like. How are you, sir? The Lord is your strength. Bro, you die in grand style. That's not walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is walking in love, number one. The devil can't stand people who walk in love. What's love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love bears no record against it. Love is not proud. It's walking in the spirit. Number two, walking in the spirit is walking in the word of God. Walking in the word of God. Number three, walking in the spirit is walking by the leadings of the Holy Ghost. So as a child of God, we are to walk in the spirit at all times. Quickly, number 13. Satan and his demons don't know how to give up. And the only language they understand is violent resistance. Satan and his demons don't know how to give up. Look at Luke chapter 4, the verse 13. There's a principle you learn here. The Bible tells us during the temptation of Jesus Christ, remember Jesus overcame the temptation. And the Bible says when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for... That's serious. You know what that means? It means he came back. So the devil and his demons don't know how to give up. Praise God. A better example is I my body was battling with a bit, a bit of malaria. That was some two weeks ago. And I treated it. When I finished and I was still praying at dawn, the same mosquitoes that gave me the malaria didn't say that, oh, poor guy. <laughs> you just had malaria. And you have, you have just treated it. Okay, let's give you one month. The same mosquitoes beat me again. And I said, ah. Then I realized that that is the same way the devil operates. You recover from last. Two weeks, he comes back again. That means we are fighting to the end. As a man of God, they don't fight. <laughs> man of God. I don't want to be a part of this. Bro, you're already part. 
they don't know how to give up. And you see, many Christians have not got this. That's come, there are temptations that keep coming to you. You don't know that after you deal with it, it's going to come again. So past habits that they stopped, they, it comes back again because they don't know that Satan doesn't give up. So at all times, you are guarding your ground. Are you following this thing? Next point. Number 14. Are you ready? The heart, the mouth, and the mind are the main battlefield. The heart, the mouth, and the mind are the main battlefield. And surprising, you'll be shocked. Many Christians don't know how to use these three areas of their lives. And they have become vulnerable to the devil. When it comes to the heart, do you remember the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. The mind, he says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The mouth, he says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Now, do you notice the Bible didn't say the power of death and life is in the tongue? He says death and life is in the power of the tongue. That means the power is not in death and life. It's in the tongue. So it is the power of the tongue that activates one of them. You are what you said two hours ago. If Listen, how did you get born again? The Bible says if you shall believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. So, if it, it was your mouth that brought you salvation, your mouth can bring you bondage. As for this, I know it won't work. I know it won't work. You just signed that agreement. That thing that killed my mother is coming again. Get ready to die. I'm telling you. Many have signed serious contracts in the spirit realm with their mouth. In the realm of the spirit, eh, angels and demons don't know I am playing. No, that's it. They don't know. Oh, I'm just. I just said it as a joke. Me what? Wow. Please, be very careful what you say with your lips. Some have cursed their children without knowing. You were upe pray, upe pray. Ha! I didn't know it's a You just signed dampness for your son. And he will study and he will never be able to understand. You, the mother, you, the father, said those words to him when he was four years old. One man of God said, this is how he raised his boy. When his son messes up, he'll beat him, but he'll finish and said, you are a president. <laughs> you, you are the best millionaire in this world. Then he'll lash him. <laughs> Do you know what he's doing? <laughs> because listen, words are very sensitive. Words work in the spirit. I'm telling you this. We keep saying that we are coming to build up auditorium. We are building our church. We are build Before you realize, I, I, I tell you, we see car parks there. You may not have a car now, but believe it. 
listen you are the first prophet of your life I am telling you the truth the Bible says in the last that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy you are the first prophet I am telling you the truth you may not necessarily need a prophet to come and tell you two years by this time why don't you start saying it on yourself now that all locked doors are open for me all shut doors are open for me no country can reject me or visa I am blessed and so shall it be no weapon from the gates shall prosper I go and come and I'm safe angels are guarding my life in the name of Jesus so the devil will affect your emotions and make you become emotional and you confess the wrong thing so your heart your mouth and your mind many have lost this spiritual warfare because they did not know how to use this word number 15 there are two rules to spiritual warfare Satan cannot touch anything without your permission. Number two, learn to resist him steadfastly. Satan cannot touch anything without your permission. Ephesians 4 the verse 27. Now watch this. He says neither do what? Give place to the devil. Remember the point we just made before. We said you must be very careful about what you do with your heart. What you say with your mouth. And what you entertain in your mind. You know why? Because everything affecting you today is coming from one of these areas. So many of you have permitted Satan in certain areas of your life. By some of these things. I keep failing every year when I write exams. I keep failing. I keep failing. I keep failing. Neither give place. Watch what you say very well, especially when you're angry. You can cause huge damages. Number 16. Without a meaningful, active, and powerful relationship with Jesus, the enemy will sift you as wheat. Without a meaningful, active, powerful relationship with Jesus, the enemy will sift you as wheat. Let's do it quickly. Let's do it quickly. Our time is up. Without a meaningful, active, and powerful relationship with Jesus Christ, the enemy will sift you as wheat. That's why I tell Christians, have a prayer life. Make sure you give at least one hour of your time with God. Do prayer in it. Read your Bible in it. Fellowship with God in that before you move out. Remember, he says that be strong in the Lord in the power of his mind. And how do you become strong in the Lord? By keeping relationship with God. Am I helping you at all? Number 17. 
there is a spiritual army that assists us in the war we are engaged in. This is to comfort every believer. You are not fighting alone. There is a spiritual army who assists us in the war we are engaged in. They are called angels. Every believer has angels assigned to them. God knows that we don't have what it takes to win. So he has actually given us angelic assistance. And someone was asking me the other time, why is it that we are sons of God, we have power with God, we have been made in the image of God, and why is it that angels seem to be more powerful than us? The answer is simple. Have you seen a bodyguard of a man who is smaller than that man? If your bodyguard is not stronger than you, sack him. Because you're not safe. So there are people who hire bodyguards on Somebody who can vanish and vanish with you. They wear rings and they're protecting you like that. They can sense 20 meters what is going to happen. And they're with you. They're watching everywhere. So they're strong. Some are, some, are not, some are not physically built, but the things they have one slap is 10 pounds. <laughs> Boom! You're on the ground. And they're strong. Agbalagba. So, your bodyguard must be stronger than you. So, angels were built with all the features they have because of you. Beloved, I came to introduce unto you not Ghana police service. Heaven's police service. He shall give his angels charge over you. They shall keep you in all your ways. They shall bear thee up in their palms. Lest thou dash your foot against a stone. There is a heavenly protection. Only those who know it will enjoy it. I see angels giving over you. I see angels giving charge over your life. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. In the name of Jesus. Walk with that consciousness. Angels are all around me. Angels are all around me. Have that consciousness. You will see God move mightily in your life. Say, angels are all around me. Come on, angels are all around me. Angels are all around me. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Check that for yourself. Hebrews 1, 14. Now watch that. He says, are they not all angels, ministering spirits, sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? So angels are ministering spirits. They are ministers. They are servants who serve those who are born again. But remember, only those who know this revelation will see its relevance in their lives. So you must start getting conscious. Jesus said, when the army came to arrest him, he says, I could pray the Father and he will send or give me what? What? 12 legions of angels to come and fight my battle for me. A legion is maximum 6,000. 12 legions is 12 times 6,000. That's what? 72,000. So the minimum number of angels that a believer has at his disposal is 72,000. In that small bedroom. Now, if you don't know this thing, you're in trouble. There was a man who was driving alone at midnight and a policeman who wanted to collect money from him said, let me see your fire extinguisher. You showed it to him. What's the name of that triangle? It's triangle. What is your triangle? He showed it to him. Hey. Asked him another question. Your license. He showed it to him. Check insurance. Check. 
realized that actually I'm going to be hungry tonight. He said, so you cry, why are you walking alone by this time? <laughs> and the man said, I'm not alone. The Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and many angels are around me. He says, I'm charging you overload. <laughs> I mean, I'll find something to take money from you. I'm charging you overload. Tell someone you're not alone. Tell somebody you are not alone. Hallelujah. Last two before I close. My time is up. The devil opposes greatly two things. The devil opposes two things greatly. Or anyhow you want to construct it. The devil opposes two main things. Number one is salvation. Number two is spiritual growth. There are two main things the devil will fight and oppose greatly. Number one is salvation. As I come in 2 Corinthians 4, for the Bible says that whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of Christ, should shine upon them. So the devil makes sure that people will not get born again. And when you get born again, he'll make sure that what? You will never grow spiritually. That's why he'll make it impossible for you to pray. He'll make it impossible for you to go to church. He'll make it impossible for you to read your Bible. He'll make it impossible for you to fast. He will give you, you realize that you can, you can stay with, when you decide that you are not fasting, you can stay to 2 o'clock without eating. But once you say it's a fast, 9 o'clock, meat pie, sent. Eating crab pie. Asibi. That's when you start remembering. All the food joints you neglected two weeks ago. You start remembering. The devil will make sure that you will never grow as a child of God. So he will make sure that he will resist all the things that helps you to grow. That's how you must fight back. Tell somebody, fight back. Don't just stand, fight back! You didn't shout like I'm shouting. Say, don't just stand! Fight! Fight! <laughs> I, I saw three demons just run away just now. <laughs> what? You fight. This is the final one. And this will break many hearts. I reserve the best for the last. Are you ready to hear this? Are you sure? I, I'm not, I don't think you're ready for this. Write it down. The devil's major attack happens when you are idle and bored. That's why I said I reserve the best for the last. Hmm. Yanko. Check your life. Your greatest temptations comes when you are alone and bored. David was actually an army man. He, he, was a, he was a soldier who was fighting constantly. It was one day he got bored and said, today I'm not fighting. Let me go out and take some work. And that fresh air, he beheld the nakedness of a woman. And that was his end. Listen, many of you have retired too early. Listen, your greatest temptations become stronger when you are bored. And I didn't know this thing. 
Check your life very well. Anytime you are working, a lot of things is taking your mind. So you are active, you are busy, you are in church, you are active, busy, hello, everything is fine. When you get home alone, you are in the house, all of a sudden you feel, oh, there's really nothing to do. You are quiet. Then all of a sudden, the devil starts suggesting things. There's nobody around. Check. East, west, north, south. Forgetting God is watching. There he says, watch that pornography and reduce the volume. <laughs> and the devil gives you intelligence in, on how to execute that sin. <laughs> Tell your girlfriend to come and spend the night this evening. <laughs> it's a rainy season. <laughs> It normally happens when you're alone. Please, you can be alone. Never get alone. Ah. It's a beast. Listen, learn to keep yourself consistently active because the devil attacks in the place of boredom and idleness. Yes, I know there are sometimes after you've done your Bible reading and stuff, there still it looks like you don't have anything doing. Find something to do. Because the more you keep being bored, in fact, do you know boredom is a sin? How can you be in, the, in a week, you have not read your Bible, you are bored? No, I means there's something wrong with you. You've not prayed and you are bored. Why are you, why are you bored? This big Bible, all the action movies and sissy movies are here. Ah. Romantic movies are here. Solomon, go and read. David and Goliath, look at the action. So you can you can ask the movie in your mind. Keep the mind busy consistently. I, listen, I am telling you this. When you leave this auditorium, you go home, especially when you are staying alone in that small room. That small room where there's no space. Only you are there like that. And you are bored like that. The devil is telling you, watch the pornography. Watch it. And the thing is becoming strong, strong, strong. Then try to use human this thing. Let me go for a walk. Master, walk and walk. <laughs> They say play football. You go and play football. <laughs> Keep yourself consistently busy. Sometimes you have to sleep with messages. Play it and sleep with it. I don't know how you're going, but I'm just giving you secrets. Boredom is the greatest advantage of the devil. David is the best example. When he got bored, he says, I don't feel like going to battle today. That was the day David fell. He slept with someone's wife. Not only that, he lied to cover it. Not only that, he killed the husband of that woman to cover up more lies. Look at how he began. And do you know what happened? His son slept with all his wife publicly. Look at how immorality spread. Just one act of sex, three minutes experience. And that was all. Every child of God must be very careful when you are bored. When you are idle, it seems there's nothing to do. Listen, there's always something to do. You have to get this mindset in your head. There's always something to do. Especially, you have not given to any Christian. 
You have not gone for evangelism. You have not prayed. You have not prayed for other Christians. You are not fellowship with other Christians. You are not checking up of other people. You are not. Uh, there are Christian movies around. Watch one. Listen, if you want to be bored, you'll be bored. That's the truth. Keep this mind busy. I end with this thing. This spiritual battle that we are fighting, it is closer to us than we ever imagined. Last week, I categorized all the temptations into how many? All the uh, strongholds of the enemy into what? Six. The first one is what? Emotional problems. Almost all the attacks, it comes from that area. Anytime you get depressed over a long time and you don't handle it, that depression becomes demonic now. Envy. It can become demonic. When you envy people for a time, you soon become witch. You become witch. That's witchcraft. You are just not happy people are progressing. You are, just not, you are just not happy about You become a witch. So listen, all these practices, eh, when you do them over time, spirits take over it. So the first one is emotional problems. Check out anything that comes to emotional, emotionally. You are always discouraged. It can become a stronghold. The devil will attack you on it. Feeling of inf- inferiority. Some of you feel unwanted. It's a spirit of rejection. Very soon, that spirit takes over that stronghold you have permitted. And soon, he's telling you there is nothing. Nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. Can't you see nobody's calling you? Nobody loves you. Kill yourself. These are all emotional strongholds the devil takes advantage of. Are you following this thing? So the first one is emotional problem. What's the second one? Mental problems. Be very careful of what comes through your mind. There are some thoughts you people have been entertaining too much. Wrong thoughts. You don't deal with it. Wrong thought. There are sometimes you have to cast it down. Get out in Jesus' name. I refuse this thought. Your closest friend, you start envying him. You start envying her. And sometimes it's not you. You don't know what is wrong. You don't know what is causing all that. And you just have some envy. Just because he showed you his car. Last week, one of the ministers said, one of his friends, he was just, before he realized the guy came to a program with a car. And the devil was telling him that, you see, you don't have a car. You're the same age. He has a car. You don't have a car. And he was tempted to feel jealous of that friend. It was two days later, he was talking to him. And the friend said, oh, even the car was not for me. So you can imagine people who are helping people for things that doesn't even belong to them. And the devil will draw your attention to them. He'll be whispering wrong thoughts. Listen, you have to learn to fight it. One of my friends, someone, he's my pastor friend, someone bought a Toyota Hilux for him free as a seed. Take it. And he told me about it. And the devil said, you see your lunchbox? My car those times, it was like a lunchbox. My former area, when I'm passing, the children, they call shoe, shoe. They were calling my car shoe. And I asked them, you people, you have a car. Your father doesn't even have a car. And the temptation was to become jealous of him. And do you know how I overcame it? I sent him money to buy the first fuel in the car. That's how I overcame it. I said, I'm sowing the first seed to buy fuel in this car. And I sent him Momo. That's how I killed that thing. And very soon, if you don't take it, the devil will make you not appreciate what you have that God has done for you. And you'll start becoming bitter with what other people have. 
You have a small fellowship. That is working. At least you have 13 people. You have 15 people in the fellowship. You go to another place, you see a lot of cars in the church. They're having thousands of people. And soon, your mind will be telling you that you have failed. You have 15. They have 1,005. Look at the difference. You are nothing. And I've seen people who have gone to juju so that they become things that God has not intended for them. Many Christians have compromised because of this thing. They want to become something. You have to be very careful. It is one of the areas the devil will capitalize to destroy so many things in your life. And that, the last one before I sit down, we call that, let me get it here, speech problems. I've explained that, telling you that you should watch what you should be saying, right? The fourth one is sexual problems. I'll just scratch a bit of it. Listen, we have to be very careful because this is the area of stronghold that the devil will bring as attacks against us as children of God. There are so many areas of sexual practices and thoughts that the enemy throws to us as arrows. And the more we give into these things, they become strongholds. And just let me give you a few. The first one is impure thought and impure sexual acts. I will explain in details next week. The second one is fantasy. You know, there are sometimes you can fantasize a certain kind of lady you are looking for that you, you know you can never get. And you can fantasize them. It happens to a lot of youth. They know they can't get it. So they'll put the image of that woman naked in their mind. Then they're sleeping with the woman in their mind. <laughs> it can become a demonic stuff. I'm telling you. It can become a stronghold. And people like that are always in bondage. We call it fantasy. Next one is sexual experiences. Next one is masturbation. Quickly. Provocative and lewd behavior. There are some ladies who know they are coming to church, yet they wear a dress that exposes their breast and an innocent man who is now recovering from last will come to church to come and serve God and now he will serve your chest <laughs> I have seen people who came to fall in church I am telling you they came to fall when they came to church because they saw things they are not supposed to see how come the church is supposed to be a place of solution and people come here and their lives get worse? Listen, when you dress well as a Christian, you are saving other Christians. Don't give them imaginations that will kill their faith. Next one is homosexuality. You'll be shocked. These are all sexual problems. That the enemy can capitalize. Homosexuality is a serious matter. It's going on in churches today. Fornication, adultery, and incest. There was somebody who was sleeping with his own sister. And oh my goodness. One woman reported a case to a counselor, and I got to hear it. She one day came back from work 
and she just started to enter into the room of his um, 11 year old son when he went his 11 year old son was sleeping with a 5 year old sister she collapsed the enemy is so wicked how does how did the 11 year old boy know speak to your heart. Be very careful of lust. Because any man that walks in lust will never last. Young ladies, don't be see, don't be anxious for a relationship. I've seen many young girls who are anxious for a relationship. Anxious. So any man will come and they just jump into their house. If you go out to the man for one week and he tells you come and visit me in the house, that man is not correct. One week of knowing someone, he says, come visit me. Oh no, there's a problem. Number two, any man, you, he says he, he likes you, even if he's from a church, and he says, that, and you tell him, oh, can I tell my pastor? He says, no, 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 not for now. <laughs> Check him. Check him. No, no, not for now. That's the sign. Many are impatient. Jump into a relationship because they want to get married. Jump into his house. You spend two weeks in his house. Pack all your things. Nobody knows where you are. You'll be shocked. And many, listen, many don't know that I, I'm going to play this video for you one of the days. That anytime Christians are into immorality, it's actually sacrifice that demons take. They are sacrifices. I was shocked. Every act of sin Christians commit is actually a sacrifice to demons. I was shocked when I was hearing that video. It's a sacrifice to demons. I'm like, How? You will find Christians who are sleeping with someone's husband. Sleeping with someone's wife. And there's nothing wrong with it. And they come to church. They don't feel remorseful. Jesus help me. You can never grow spiritually as a Christian that way. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. a faithful Christian. Please don't bring shame to the name of Jesus. Don't disgrace Jesus. And sometimes you see Jesus weeping. What pastors are doing to church members. You'll be shocked. Sleeping with choristers. Sleeping with church members. All, uh, in the name of what? May the Lord help us as a church. Because listen to me. If you're a child of God and you don't fight lust, it's going to affect your entire Christian life. I am telling you. Lust is one of the weapons the devil uses against Christians. It will affect your prayer life. It will affect your Bible reading. It will affect your emotions. It will affect everything. 
I pray the Lord is going to help us. I'm going to continue that in detail next week. Let's pray. Just bow down your head. Oh, Father, what a faithful God you are. We love and adore you. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to take our walk with you more serious now. Because without you, we are nothing. We want to see the real power in Christianity, in our lives, Jesus. Help us to become better Christians. Lift your voice and just pray this prayer. You are just a prayer away. 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 You are just a prayer away.